Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Let's pray. Father God, we pause today and we just want to humbly submit this moment to you. We pray that the power, the living power of your word and of your Holy Spirit would overwhelm any resistance that we have, either unintentional or because of false guilt or whatever, any resistance that we have to your amazing grace and your outrageous transforming love. Thank you, Father. Thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being able to come together. Thank you that even when so many things uh, are changing and when we feel uncertainty or even uh, as fear tries to seize us, that we have the certainty that you are sovereign and that you are in control and that your truth is marching on. Father, I pray that as a result of um, how you lead us today, and as we sit at your feet, Lord Jesus, that we would be a brighter light and saltier salt. I pray that as a result of today, that every one of us would, <clears throat> would know you better and love you more. So we give you praise, honor, and glory in this moment through our response through our obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles and uh, open them up, if you would, to James chapter 4. We're continuing this series. I don't know what week this is. It's probably week 12, 13, 14. I'm not really sure, uh, but uh, we're in the series Real Faith for Rough Times. Uh, Real Faith for Rough Times. And uh, as I've mentioned time and time again throughout the pandemic, and, and throughout the divisive time that we have experienced within our nation, that <clears throat> this is really a wake-up call. I think that God, uh, if we if we would just pay attention, is exposing a whole lot that would allow us to, to truly know the if we do have real faith, uh, or if it's just uh, our own version of faith, or if it's you know uh, the uh, American religion. Uh, or if it's just churchanity. Uh, and so what he has called us to and been so faithful in doing is providing for us clear insight of what real faith looks like. And uh, so he continues to do that today. Um, James chapter 4, as we continue, uh, we will finish chapter 4 today. Yay! James chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 13 through 17. So if you would read along with me as I read. <clears throat> now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. As we look to God's Word today, it it, um, comes to... uh, uh, again, to help us examine where we are as far as our relationship to God. Uh, it was back, I think it was 1983. There was a, a an address, and and I'm going to tear, I'm going to just mess this up because I'm from Grady, Alabama. But it was the Russian author uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. So, okay. All right. So some of you are obviously familiar with him and and forgive me, but uh, he was a 1970 Nobel Peace Prize uh, winner. But uh, in in this address in 1983, he said, uh, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I've read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing the way, uh, clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God. He said, what is more, later on, he said, if I were asked to to really define or point out the principal trait of the entire 20th century, it would be the same. Men have forgotten God. It's through this study of James that he is unleashing for us a vivid picture of what real faith in a living Lord looks like and how that real faith often is really uh, developed and forged during difficult times. So the invitation that we have from the book of James and the invitation that we have from the Holy Spirit today is to allow uh, this period of time in which we're in to help us to to really examine ourselves to see where we are in the faith. And and there's nothing but a win-win in that. You know, sometimes, you know, it's only the opposite, the opposite of of, of what real faith in Jesus Christ uh, is. The only thing that it would hurt is this growing self-reliance, self-serving lifestyle. So either we're going to place our faith in in God or or we're going to place our faith in ourselves and we're going to live out of this arrogant self-reliance. And so the problem that he is pointing out is it's, it's a subtle thing, but we have a tendency, we have a tendency to forget God. Um, And, uh, when we do, the only other option is to live a self-led, self-serving, self-reliant life. And it may be influenced by culture and all of that, but it's either, you know, God or, or, or self. And, and you can be the most meek and timid person in the personality in the world and still be an arrogant, self-reliant individual. 
What is he wanting us to get from this? He is saying, I want you to know the amazing grace, the love of the Savior. And and the only way to do that is to allow God to shine his light into your life, into your heart, to know the truth. So it's here in this particular passage that James has been talking about our need to, you know, to be doers of the word and not just hearers uh, because we can fool ourselves. He's, he's saying that we just need to continually, continually submit ourselves to God. It's not a one and done kind of deal, but it's a daily kind of deal. Am I submitting my life, my plans, my resources, my relationships to God? And then, and then he's coming uh, to really remind us that God opposes the proud. When we, when, when we default to this arrogant, self-reliant, self-dependent lifestyle, influenced by culture, influenced by uh, a society and a, and a world that he talks about there that has this proneness to forget God, then we miss out on real faith. So he's given us this warning. Don't fall into this trap. Don't fall into this trap. And, and he's talking to you know, a group of believers there in Palestine and uh, James as is, is the pastor. And, you know, these were young Jewish Christians uh, primarily. And, uh, and, and they uh, didn't have, you know, we, we, we can't relate very well to them because they didn't uh, uh, have uh, very much means. Uh, they, they were poor. Uh, and, um, and yet he is saying that as a f- follower of Jesus Christ, you must be very intentional in rejecting this tendency to be self-reliant. So, so here we are, real faith in a living Savior or some combobulation or mixture that is really only uh, self-serving, arrogant, self-reliant faith. I'll figure it out with God's help or whatever it may be. So, real faith intentionally rejects self-reliance, right? It just does. And, And even though we live in a country that's all about the individual and all about self, real faith intentionally rejects that. Now, what is, what is, uh, this self-reliant, um, uh, life or view or attitude uh, what does it look like when it comes to our lifestyle, when it comes to our plans? Uh, and here's what he's saying to us in, 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 in this particular passage. There's three things that uh, you can write down. Number one, this um, arrogant, self-reliant faith forgets or ignores God. Forgets or ignores God. Um, and now most of us would say, because we're either on Facebook or we're on Zoom or we're, we're here in person, we're saying, well, obviously that's not me. That's not me because I'm in church. You know, I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. You know, I, I haven't forgot God. But what he is saying is when you make everyday plans that haven't been habitually surrendered to God, he said, that's not real faith. And again, this is such a, a, a subtle deal because um, we, are, we are affluent, we are prosperous, uh, we are blessed, and, and 
sometimes we forget that we need God in the world in which we're living. But he's saying uh, when we habitually um, forget God and do not submit our plans to God, that's the same thing as ignoring God. I used to tell my kids, you can do a lot of stuff, but don't ignore me. <laughs> when I'd be talking to them and they just kind of like, don't ignore me. Uh, forgetting or ignoring God. I know it breaks God's heart when we ignore Him. Um, and and it, it's, it's easy in our, in our culture. He's, uh, James is talking to a group of people there, again, that most of those people are, are poor. But there was a you know, very small margin of people there that, uh, that was in the church that, had, they were, that were pretty rich. As a matter of fact, they had companies or businesses or, or whatever it was where many of the others in the congregation were working for them. And he's going to talk about some of that in, in chapter 5. But we have a hard time relating to, to what he's talking about because we are prosperous. We are rich. You know, and he's going, for the rich, this is a huge temptation. And, you know, again, we go, man, I'm not rich, man. I, you know, I look, uh, take, uh, by whose standard? According to God's standard, you're rich. According to what he's relating to, you're rich, but we just got to accept it. So we walk around and you can walk outside the church and say, yo, I'm rich. You know, I'm rich. <laughs> um, don't let the world dictate your definition of what he's trying to say here so that we can embrace it. Um, but he's saying when we are so uh, prosperous, when we have so many resources, uh, when we've been blessed, not because, you know, we are born into privilege. And then some of us go, uh, no. I mean, and it's not based on anything that we've done, but other people and God have set us up. And, and, and we are rich. And he's saying it's very easy to ignore God, to, to, to quietly do this, and, and, you know, not with a vengeance, but just slip off and do life. And so it's in verse 14 that he's given us this wake-up call. Look what he says there. He says, why? Why do you, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. So what he's addressing is this. He's going like, we have this tendency to go, uh, man, especially in America, look at this. Look what I've done. You know, man, I've worked hard for this. You know, look what. And it, and it slips over into this arrogant self-reliance. And, and he comes here and he's going, why would you be that way? And, and he says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. And you are just a vapor. You don't know much and you're not going to last long. And we bow up on that and we go, wow. No, and he's going, why would you base your life always listening and hearing from people that don't know much and ain't going to be around long? He's saying, go to God. Listen to God. Trust in Him with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding or the understanding of others. Um, Y'all remember the song by Kansas? Doug, I bet you could sing it. Um, Dust in the wind. 
uh, almost of biblical proportions. Uh, the first verse goes, I close my eyes only for a moment at the, and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes with curiosity, dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Then listen to this verse. It says, now don't hang on. Nothing lasts forever, but the earth and sky, it slips away, and all your money won't another minute buy. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Well, they were just really verbalizing and, and, and putting a tune to what God has already told us in Proverbs uh, verse, uh, chapter 27, verse 1. He says, do not boast about tomorrow because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And so he's saying, I, I need you to understand that um, a life of real faith, of real faith, habitually surrenders the daily plans to God. A life of self-serving, arrogant self-reliance, world dependence, whatever, uh, it's a it's a a slow, slippery boil to where all of a sudden we just we just go through our lives without surrendering these plans to God. See, our plans can tell us a lot about where we are as far as our faith. So he says, number one, uh, real faith doesn't forget God. Real faith doesn't ignore God. But if you've got a fake faith or faith, you know, that is a weak faith, that's what it looks like. And it's arrogant self-reliance. So it forgets God, ignores God. The second thing that it looks like is this. It just simply disobeys God. You know, when it's not real, we're just... We got this habit of just disobeying God. And, you know, and, and we try to cover it a lot going, you know, well, nobody's perfect and all that kind of stuff. But look what he says. He says, um, 16, 17, as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sin. So he's pointing out a couple of things here. He says, number one, when, when we slide over in this pride deal and we just, you know, we're so proud about what we've done and, you know, and, 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 we, and we've learned how to do this in kind of a subtle way to where people kind of don't feel like we're bragging. But he said, you're boasting about this. And, and if, if, you, if you have a habit of just boasting about all of this, uh, then you need to check yourself to see, if it's real, God in his loving kindness has provided this example for you, this gut check for you. But then he goes on to say, you know, and he, he who knows, to know, knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And so what he's talking about here is uh, uh, not a, a radical thing. It's a very subtle thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's not usually in this just mean-spirited rebellion, uh, but, but it shows up in, in very subtle ways and, and what we call delayed obedience. Now, I remember growing up when, you know, we'd, I'd hear people say, Lord, you know, forgive me for my sins of omission and commission. You know, you know the, the sins that, you know, I've, I've done, but the, the 
commission, but also the sense of omission. And that's really what it's talking about there is just delayed obedience. And what he is pointing out here is anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Uh, the Bible helps us to understand that uh, the delayed obedience is, is disobedience. We just disobey God. You know, and, and, and we all know uh, how timing is everything. Well, that, that's even true with God. And uh, so the question that really comes to mind is we go, and Lord, thank you for your love and your faithfulness to me. Thank you for this opportunity to forge within my soul real faith that is going to bring you glory and that's going to allow others around me to come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this opportunity, but Lord, would you show me, and this is our prayer for each of us, Lord, would you reveal to me what I already know that you have told me to do that I'm not doing? It's a good opportunity right now just to pose that question. You know, Lord, what do I already know that you've revealed to me that I'm just not doing? And he says, if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, it's sin. And what does sin do? Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from others. Sin brings destruction in relationships. It's a subtle thing. Uh, what about this? Is What do you already know that God has already told you to stop doing? You know, it, it could be in God's top ten in the Ten Commandments. You know, it's just by worshiping people, you know, having other gods, you know, or, or worshiping things, or letting this stuff become so important. Or it could be lying. Or it could be sexual misconduct, shacking up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You know, what do you already know that God has said, don't do this? It's coveting. It's wanting the things of this world. And that, that we just, again, we just hydroplane over. And God's saying, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. What are some things that God has revealed to you that He wants you to start doing? You know, start doing. He's already said, I want you to do this. This is what a faithful follower of mine does. It could be become a regular part of a, a biblical community. It could be to join a church. It could be to be baptized. It could be um, to, to give your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Uh, it could be go share uh, the good news with someone. You know, what is, is, is it that you already know that you should do? That God said, you need to start doing this. He says that when self-reliance, this Prideful, arrogant self-reliance creeps into the faith mixture. Then you have a lot of ignoring God subtly, subtly. And you have a lot of just disobedience. Doing life my way. 
And as a result, it's, for, it's destructive. It, it, it's destructive in the fellowship. It's destructive in our culture. It's destructive in relationships. And it's the whole reason that Jesus came in the first place to save us, not only from our sin, but from ourselves. All right, so, whoo, it's like, get it on, James. This is tough stuff. But then he turns it and he, and he shows us really the opposite. What is really the opposite of this self-serving, self-reliant, worldly wisdom living in, in verse 15. He says, now this is what real faith, the, the, this is what abiding faith in, in Jesus looks like. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So what, what is he pointing out? He's pointing out what he's been talking about throughout the whole book of James. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. It's this humble dependence on God. Not on self, not on my resources, but on, on God. Trust in Him. And, and this type of lifestyle, real faith, what this does, it obeys God. It just obeys God. Uh, and it's a result of trusting God, taking steps, developing a relationship that turns into a radical love relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's, it, it's this desire to obey Him. It's like God says, do this, and you're going, well, that stinks, but hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, just recently, uh, uh, my uh, sister, Debbie, this runs a restaurant. Y'all keep praying for her, but she had a little scare. They called her back uh, from her mammogram and said, you got to come back. We got an issue going on. And at first fear hit her. At first fear hit her. And, and, and then she wasn't going to tell nobody. And she's going to, but then she goes, well, why, why would I, why, why would I not tell the people that love me most? And uh, so they, these are my greatest prayer warriors. And so we had a big family meeting and anytime we have a family meeting, uh, it always turns into a big meal. So it, it was like, this is win-win, you know. So she she uh, calls us all in. Everybody met, I think it was last week, down at Daddy's. And, and this week she had her her uh, appointment. And uh, so she shares and she she said, I, you know, I, I was going to withhold that. And God just kind of gave me his peace and said, no, share. And so we prayed together and trust. And then she went, you know, <clears throat> went on to say, God has given her a great peace. You know, and God has just... She, she didn't miss another step. Why? Because she has this intimate relationship with a living Lord that knows her better than anyone and that loves her more than anyone. You know, it's that song, you can have the world's wealth and riches. I don't need them anymore. I just want Jesus. Jesus. So it's this desire to obey, eager to obey, out of a love relationship. But what this is pointing out is this. If you, if you find that in your faith journey that, 
there's this ongoing reluctance to do what God says, the stuff that God says to do, because it seems so restrictive and, and it seems out of date and, and everybody's doing it. And if you're, if, if, if you're just this reluctance to obey God and, and, and uh, you feel like it's just a duty and you, it's ought to, wake up. This is a gut check because that's, he is saying that's not a real faith relationship. If it's only out of obligation, real faith is a progressive love relationship of stepping into uh, dependence on God day in and day out and allowing him to unleash his love on you. We love him, why? Because he what? First loved us. It's not something that we muster up from him. It is a result of a God, humble, God-dependent life that trusts him. Now, some of you, some of you may be going, well, you know, you know, Mike, you, you don't know me. You, 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 you don't know, I, I don't. Absolutely no, but God does, and He loves you. And it may be that you've been you've been kind of doing the cultural Christianity thing all your life, but you don't know Him. You don't know Jesus. You know religion. You know stuff in the Bible and verses and all that, but you don't know Him. He's saying, "Listen, real faith continues to progressively grow in humble dependence on Jesus." Desiring to do His work. Seeking to do His will. Um, real faith comes to a place to where you really can say with a smile, a smirk on your face, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. This circumstance right here it stinks in comparison to what's going on out in the world, but with Jesus, I've got it all. I've got everything. Like Paul, his grace is sufficient for me. So he's saying, instead of just sliding very subtly into this world pattern of just doing your thing, doing your thing, he's saying, submit yourself, your life, your plans to God, and then say, if the Lord's, if it is the Lord's will, then we'll do this. Now, many of you've always you, you've heard me, and and and. And I got a little bit under conviction uh, when I was reading this this week um, that you, you'll hear me, you'll say, hey, I'll see you next week. And I say, if the Lord wills and the creeks don't rise, right? Yeah, you've heard me, Lord will. And I, but I mean that. I mean, and one of the reasons that I've said it is because I'm not going to assume. And, and I just, it, it, it is a powerful reminder that, that we can suddenly get into just this thinking that, oh, yeah, I'll see you next week. I don't know that. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So, and one of my pastor friends says, why don't you stop, just cut it off there, if, just with, if the Lord wills. Forget the creeks rising. And I, somebody told me I didn't even know what that meant anyway. So, um, let me see if he's on there. Yep, he's on there. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was literally the creeks water rising. But they said, no, it's has the really background is had to, uh, if the Creek Indians 
something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. So, so now that I'm talking about stuff I don't know, I shouldn't say it. So he's saying right there, just say, if the Lord wills. Humble dependence on God. Submitted life to God. Just saying, Lord, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And so when it comes to God's will, there's just a couple more things I want to say. What he is pointing out here is that first we need to know it. We need to know God's will. Now, Paul, when he was, when, um, when he was preaching to the crowds, he had this to say, and it was a pretty good revelation, and, and uh, you might want to write this down, Acts 22, because I believe it re uh, relates to us as well, 22, 14. Uh, he says, um, there it is. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will. God's chosen us to know his will. To know his will. And we can look in, in his word here. We can look in the Bible and, and we can get to know his will. But he not only wants us to know it, but he wants us to understand it. Right? He wants us to understand it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 17, it says we don't need to live any longer, you know, in the dark. He said, but we need to understand what the Lord's will is. And so there's a difference between just knowing it and understanding it. And so in our process of being dependent on God, we pursue God's will to know God's will. And how do we do that? We know it, listening to God's word, getting in his word, praying, discussing it and with other believers and, and um, um, just doing life, pursuing, knowing God's will, eager to know what it is rather than kind of, kind of like skirt around the edge and going, maybe he won't see me, maybe he won't pick me. No, no, no. We're eager. Why? Because God is good. All the time, God is good. But he wants us to understand it. You know, it's like, um, um, you know, a child may, my, my kids, when they were growing up, sometimes they knew what my will was, but they didn't understand why. They, they knew that they could not have the key to the vehicle. It just didn't make sense to them when they were five years old because they wanted to drive. They didn't understand why. And God's saying, I want you to know my will and I want you to understand my will. And as friends of his, that Jesus says in John chapter 15, he helps us to understand. He, he reveals that to us. And that's a result of a humble dependence on God, not an arrogant, living in America, kind of independent Christianity. Nope, those two don't go together. But then it also comes out in what he's talking about here, and we live and display his will. We display his will. What, what Paul says in Romans 12 too, his will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Your plans may not go well. And, here, and here's, here's the real deal. When we get all bent up and out of shape when our plans don't go well, that's, that's, a, warning, that's a warning light. That is a warning. Hey, it is saying that I am a self-serving, self-led, self-dependent individual, or at least that's what I'm living for in that moment. And it's taking God out of the picture 
God's no longer on the throne. Our plans and our response to our plans can show us a whole lot about our faith. Is it real? Holy Spirit, shine your light on us. Let these very practical and tangible expressions of your truth lead us to your good grace, to your love, to a real faith, uh, to a real experience and encounter with you. You know, you've often heard people say, well, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I just don't know what God's will is. That's just chunk that phrase. Throw that phrase away. The God who is the true God, the one who loved me and you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for us so that our sins wouldn't be counted against us and then to to be raised to new life so that He could give us His life. He could impart His life to us. He has revealed, He's not holding back. He's not playing games. He has already revealed to you the next step for you to take. And that's, that, that's how we live and experience God's will. Take the next step. What's that next step? Maybe that next step for you today is, is an acknowledgement that your whole faith experience has been a self-led, self-determined, self-understanding process. And you've never come to surrender your life and experience the life of Jesus Christ. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he's saying the next step for you is to, to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You go, yeah, but I've been going to church a long time. That'll look foolish. Oh, oh, yeah, that's, that's yep, that's, a, that's arrogant self-dependence right there. That's an all-about-me deal. It's a win-win when we surrender to Jesus. Or it may be that in, in, in doing that, that you experience the joy, the peace, the hope, the life of God for the very first time. And if you do that, if you believe Jesus, that he is who he says he is, and, and you go, okay, I, you know, I've, I, I've skirted around for all these years, but Jesus, now I just surrender my life to you and I receive you into my life. I turn my life over to you. Welcome to God's family. It may be that you're a follower, but all of a sudden God has revealed to you that you have been living by worldly wisdom and you're ashamed of that. You're just embarrassed by that. You're going, oh my goodness. Or maybe you're a little bit upset. The next step is just to come, come back to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I, I confess that I've been... A lot of my plans, a lot of my life has been this arrogant self-dependence. It's been self-life. It's not a reflection of you. I confess it. I lay it down. As followers of Jesus Christ, He is calling us in these dark days to be brighter light. And it's by simply you taking the next step that God is calling you to take through His Word, through His Spirit, 
as you honestly open your life to him today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come and sit at your feet and allow you through your word to reveal our great need. Forgive us, Father, uh, for just slipping into the mold of this world. Forgive us for our proneness to, to pride and to brag and to compare and all at the expense of experiencing you. Forget us for getting so wrapped up in our plans. We surrender them now to you. And Lord, as a church family, as a body of believers, Lord, we surrender this family to you. As we follow you, may you strengthen the ties between us. May you encourage our hearts and may you be glorified in our lives each and every day. We pray this to be true if it is your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.